Good evening, everyone. So I'm going to be that person, right? Because you know me well. Yeah, I know Liam's going, mm-mm. You're quite far, and we need you quite close. So there's about five rows before. So I'm going to ask you to, like, you know, like, shh, move a little bit closer. Please? Please? If you're far away, won't you join us just to make it a little bit more cozy? Because we'd love to. We're gonna, we've got a cozy sermon going tonight. What, before Sim and I kick off, we just want to, um, Dave's asked us just to affirm Bo in his role that he's going to be carrying over the next two months. Two months, I believe, just jokes. Bo's going to be um, handling our evening services and just looking at the nitty gritties, and we just want to affirm him tonight in that. So, you know, tap him on the back, all those kind of lovely things, but Bo, good job. And we just, you know, we're we just excited to see what the Lord's going to do in his life as he's chosen a path of ministry, and is just taking leadership roles in new ways. So when, when a, you know, a space opens, somebody has, gets to fill that, and so we're excited what Bo's going to do with us, you know? <laughs> just kidding. So yeah, thanks, Bo. Okay, Sim. Okay. So over the last few weeks, we've been hearing from quite a few different people, um, on the topic of confessions and offences. And tonight, we've got myself and Shelley, and our job is to wrap it all up nicely with a little bow. Um, And um, you can probably tell, but we're two people who normally operate with a slightly different crowd. Um, Yeah, we we do things a little bit differently, as you can see by the chairs and whatnot. and often we deal with a somewhat more energetic and enthusiastic audience on Shelley's side. Mine is a bit debatable. Um, so let's all settle in as we prepare for takeoff. Okay. So if you're someone like me and, you're, and the memory is not quite cracked up to what it needs to be, or if you're joining us for the first time this evening, welcome. It's good to have you. Um, be sure to go grab a hot chocolate at the coffee shop, like they said. Um, if you need caffeine, the cappuccino is good as well, apparently. Um, anyway, I'm just going to spend a few minutes highlighting some of the key points that have been spoken or discussed over the last few Sundays, um, or what stood out to me, if that's okay. So, when it comes to a topic like confessions and offences, a lot can be said, um, especially over five weeks, uh, like a lot can be tackled. Um, But surprisingly, what stood out to me was that a lot of the things correlated with one another. Um, For instance, Gavin, he focused on the importance of understanding forgiveness, especially, um, especially the forgiveness we experience from God and how it then becomes our responsibility to take what we have experienced and show that same compassion to those who, you know, we may need to forgive. And it's then this act of forgiveness and confessing of our sins or shortcomings that enables us to live lives that are characterized by freedom and righteousness. Um, and that's what Kruven emphasized a couple of weeks back. Um, <laughs> Dave, at the beginning of this series, he shared how important it is for us as Christians to prioritize prioritize living consecrated lives where we walk in truth 
in the truth that God has saved us and cleansed us and to let go of our old mentalities um, and ways of thinking or that we may be trapped in, just like how the Israelites had to let go of who they were in Egypt in order to enter the promised land. Um, but how do we do that? Um, thanks to Mao, we have, she's given us three practices or ways we can deal with our offenses. And firstly, it starts with learning who God says we are and allowing those truths to shape us and define, define who we are. <laughs> Secondly, we need to talk these things out. We need to initiate the discussions, um, even if you don't like conflict like me. And then you need to, more importantly, you need to accept the other person's or the other party's decisions on this matter. And then finally, we need to spend time in the presence of God. We need to ask him to reveal who he says they are, and we need to speak those truths into their lives instead of judging them based on their actions, even though sometimes it can be easier to do that. And obviously, we can't forget about this morning. Shelley said I should pick one one-liner that stood out to me from Gav's sermon. And he had quite a few, I'll give him that, but the one that really blew my brain. <laughs> and I'm not the only one because there were a few of us. And it was the fact that dandelions are in fact yellow and not only white. I genuinely only thought they were white. You know, um, no, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Um, on, he, he emphasized the importance of becoming, becoming aware that it's our, our responsibility to you know, assess our hearts and become aware of what seeds are being sown in our lives. And that, you know, we need to be planning for our next offenses because it's, it's going to come. And, you know, we need to be ready to handle those well and not react negatively. Um, and that's us. You know, that's that. We're all caught up of five weeks. Um, and I mentioned earlier we, we're going to switch things up. So we've invited three guests, and they're going to come up now. And, and yeah, that's a sign. And we've asked each of them if they could share an experience on both confession, a time they've had to confess, and a time they've had to forgive. Um, so I think I definitely drew the long straw tonight because... That's me done. So I'm going to hand over to Devet first. Thanks, Sim. Thank you, Shelley. Shelley and Sim have this wonderful gift of putting you on the spot <laughs> and making you prepare for something which you're not ready for. But um, nevertheless, here I am. So I'm going to be sharing from my heart and a bit of, of what I've been through um, in terms of confession and uh, then move on to a little bit later to forgiveness. So, um, in a nutshell, I was asked to keep it brief, but in 2002, do the math, that's 21 years ago, right? Okay, show of hands, who is over the age of 21? Okay, who's not over the age of 21? Okay, it's a good proportion, so believe it or not, but people were sinning back then too. <laughs> okay, um, 21 years ago, I... Um, was dating a young lady who was a work colleague of mine, who now is my wife. 
Janine, and um, yeah, we, we really hit it off right from the start in terms of, of connecting with, with each other in a, a, a physical attraction way as well as a spiritual way. I mean, she led me to the Lord, back to the Lord, um, and got me going to church and, and really transformed my life. But she um, was so dear to my heart, and I, I knew I couldn't let this go, so I had all the intention in the world to, to marry her. Um, so three months down the line, I outrightly just went and proposed. But before that, I, I was decent enough to actually go with her to East London and visit her folks and meet her dad and followed him around the garden the whole day. And eventually he stopped and asked me, is there something I want to ask him? And I said, yeah, I want to know if I can marry your daughter. And um, he said to me, do people still do that? But I thought it's the right thing. And um, I asked her to marry me. She, of course, said yes. Um, but at that stage, I had a family member that was, um, that was working in the same workplace as all of us were. And I hadn't told my parents before that that I'm actually going to be marrying her or getting engaged. I mean, I was 22. So um, <laughs> many people can relate. I was 22, and I... Um, the next day, it happened on a weeknight, and the next day, the family members uh, had friends, sorry, they had friends working with us, saw the ring on her finger, and the news went out and eventually went to my folks. And then they summoned us in, and yeah, uh, really wasn't very kind to me. Um, I was disowned. Um, we were really just rebuked for our actions, and just not, uh, all the scriptures came out of dishonoring your parents. And I immediately went on the offensive. Um, I, was, I was really taken aback and I got anger, ang filled with anger, um, went to, to unforgiveness and got bitter. Time passed and we then had our first child. But during this time, my parents sort of accepted it to a degree. We never had the relationship we've always had before, there was always this thing. And I, whenever we went there and met with my dad, I could never look him in the eye or we could never, it was just a hi. It was never a, a hug or a, like, like a child says hello to their parents. It was never that. We then had Caitlin, <laughs> and um, that was in 2005. And at her dedication, and that's three years later, at her dedication, my parents were there. And my dad came and the pastor called, called my parents up to lay hands and pray over her as well because of the generational thing and that runs in the father. And I saw my father, a man, standing there in awe of the little one and full of compassion. And my heart just went out to him. And I said, wow, how could I be aggrieved for something I did wrong? And, and it just dropped like a penny. I said, you, you need to make right with your father. And I then <laughs> seek the scriptures, and I went to him that very day, and I said, Dad, please forgive me. I um, jumped the gun, and I apologize for the grief I've caused you. And could I be in right standing with you again? I'm asking for your forgiveness. And I confessed my sins of harboring anger, resentment, bitterness, unforgiveness, and he forgave it all. To such a degree now where I said to him that day that I never want to just greet you with a hi. I want to greet you with a hug and a kiss. Until that day, we hug and kiss each other every day. 
whenever we see each other. So um, the power of forgiveness and the power of Him forgiving me, but also the power of confessing my sins and coming clean with my Father um, just brought new freedom to me. Thank you. And now we hand over to Renee. Hello. I'm going to use notes because I have a tendency to go off on tangents if I don't read from my notes. Okay. So, on the confession side, um, mine's not nearly as bad as his, but anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, a couple of years ago, um, my, well, my sister's birthday is always in May, but a couple of years ago, I saw something online for her that she would have liked, and it was around January. And I thought, okay, let me order it now, and I can put it away so that it does, you know, if you order it too late, it might not arrive in time, those kind of things. So in the back of my mind, I had done the birthday thing. It arrived, and I put it away. And in the beginning of May, I thought to myself, yes, it's my sister's birthday on the 21st. I mustn't forget. Okay. But then time passed, as it does, and my children and I were visiting my father for tea one day, and I realized it was the 12th of June, which was my mother's birthday. And I said to my children, oh, if my granny was still alive, we would be having a birthday party for her. And next month is auntie's birthday. So my father just quietly said last month, and it twigged. Oh, May had gone so fast that I hadn't even realized that May had gone. And I hadn't wished my sister a happy birthday. And she hadn't been contacting me for a while, and I wasn't quite sure why. And now I realized, oops, I had not wished her a happy birthday. Even though I thought about her in January, I thought about her in the beginning of May. But on her actual birthday, somehow I didn't remember. So I phoned her right then, and I asked her to forgive me for that. Um, and we made a time to get together for me to see her and give her a gift. And she never actually told me how she felt about me missing her birthday. And I don't know if she even believed that my brain can do that, that I remember in January and I remember on the 1st of May, and then I only remember again on the 12th of June. But, yeah, I don't know if she even forget, realized that that is, happens to me. Um, and that I'd managed to mix the months up. Um, but I do know how I felt later on when she forgot my birthday. So at least we did talk about it and we repaired the relationship. Um, and I've since put reminders on my phone so that I don't forget other people's birthdays um, so that it doesn't happen again. So what I'm trying to say is when you realize that you've done something that could have hurt somebody, ask them for forgiveness, and then try your best not to let it happen again. Okay, Lisa, your turn. Good evening, everyone. Uh, my name is Lisa. If you hear a knocking, it's my knee tapping against the pulpit. Um, and I'm hoping that this evening what I have to share is going to be short and sweet, like my name and like me. So I have been married for five glorious years, and the other 14 years have been pretty good too. 
you can do the maths. Um, my husband, for those of you who know him, he's a pretty consistent guy. If I had to draw him like a line, I would draw him like this. Okay. The way he thinks, the way he reacts, the way he um, works out issues, um, the way he looks at life, it's very consistent. I, on the other hand, is the very much the opposite. If I had to draw myself as a lion, it would look like this. Okay. Um, I tend to act first and, and think about the consequences later. And unfortunately, when I act and speak without thinking, it's often my husband in our 19 years of marriage who's been on the receiving end of my thoughtless words um, and my not-so-wise actions. And when that has happened, and I'm just going to speak in a general, I'm not going to be specific because that's between me and Jay, but when I have done that, I have then have this internal dialogue in my head. It kind of goes like this. Well, he's an adult. He must get over it. No, but he knows me as long as he has. Surely he knows I didn't mean it. If he doesn't get, if he's misreading it, well, that's his problem, not mine. And when I have thoughts like that, I'm reminded um, of the verse where it says the enemy is like a, a prowling lion who's walking around looking to, to devour, who he can devour. Um, and he's looking for footholds into our lives. And then it starts in the pit of my stomach and in my spirit and in my head. And I get to the point where I'm like, Lisa, you messed up. Even though he's your husband, you still need to go confess to him that you made a mistake and ask him to forgive you. I'll tell you now, due to the way I've been brought up and my experiences, it's not easy to make myself vulnerable, even to my husband. I'm okay with admitting a fault, but not so okay at going, please forgive me. But in my 19 years of marriage, I've realized it's far easier to do that to confess and to ask for forgiveness than it is to allow the enemy a foothold into our relationship. And I've also realized that when I confess and ask for forgiveness, it doesn't weaken our relationship. It actually strengthens it. And it's the same with my relationship with God. In his word, it says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And that as far as the east is from the west, so he removes our transgressions. And when I make myself vulnerable before God and I confess my sins and I ask my Abba Daddy to forgive me and to help me start afresh, it strengthens my relationship with him and it also increases the freedom that I live in. Okay, I'm back. <laughs> Thank you. Round two. Um, the other topic I needed to share on is um, then me forgiving others. Um, so forgiveness from my side. Um, I was employed um, in 2007 when we had the triplets at a company which uh, I was earning a really little bit of money and we had to somehow find a way to, to support four children under the age of two. So I um, had to seek other employment, which I then did, and I joined a company um, in the midst of their chaos, as I would put it. So I joined a, a company in the automotive field and um, I was thrown into yeah, a pack of wolves, 
because they were under huge, tremendous pressure at that stage. Um, they had to pass an audit um, within three months, and there was just chaos everywhere. Um, the expectation was huge, and the pressure was high. Needless to say that um, I was working long hours, so it took me out of a place where I was working okay hours to a place where I was working extra long hours. And it's so, so be it that the one Saturday afternoon I was mowing lawn and a bone stuck into the bottom of my foot and I cracked my foot. And um, I couldn't go to work and the, the audit was the, that same week where I was supposed to go to work. And I phoned in, I said, guys, I can't come to work, I've got a fractured foot. And I sent them a copy of the x-rays and um, they didn't believe it because they thought I was checking out and all the rest. So they sent a private investigator around. Our house was for sale at that stage because we were having to, to um, make amends for the extra expenses we had in our lives. And he posed as a potential buyer and came into the house. Um, he took video footage of me hobbling around that I could walk on my foot and presented it as evidence. I was then dismissed. And um, I took the, the case further to the CCMA where they then reached a settlement agreement with me. But there I was, uh, without work, and I eventually left, I, well, I left my good place of work to this place so that I can provide for my family a little bit better, and there I was in a mess. I like, literally was without work, unemployed. Um, life went on, and I found intermittent work here and there, and I was more flexible because I joined my aunt's company, and during that time it sort of worked because I worked for three days and I was off when I helped Janine with the kids. So it was a bit of a blessing in disguise, but financially we were still taking strain. In, so with that, there was a lot of unforgiveness. I literally saw it as an outright attack, and the world would say to you that you are justified in your actions. Um, the world would say to you that you are right in feeling the way you are. And I harbored that for 10 years. 10 years, I had this feeling of despair. I didn't trust my own abilities. I thought that I was no good. I felt like a failure. And it's all because of the fear of lack. And not just that, me feeling unjustified in, in what they did to me. I felt like I was, I was attacked. So I want to cut it a bit shorter. I know we've got time constraints. Um, so in 2017, I joined a company then that was a customer to the company that dismissed me. And I had to have meetings with the same guys that, <laughs> that dismissed me. So the Lord always brings these things back into your, to your life so you can deal with them, right? Um, I remember the first meeting I had with a supply chain manager, and uh, that person was there during my tenure. Um, I had to present on a topic, and I, th I saw him walking into the boardroom, and I'm like, oh, Lord, what do I do now? They dismissed me. I'm, I'm no good. And then the word of the Lord says, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. And I went into my knees in the bathroom, and I said, Lord, just guide me in this. And I forgive them. I forgive them. Let this outcome not, not let, my, let my personal experience not affect the outcome of the meeting. And I went in there and I gave them coffee and we had a good chat and we came out with a, with a resolution that we needed. And afterwards we chatted and it came to light that six other people went to that same position and none of them lasted three months. <laughs> so that was the pressure they were under and they lost that contract eventually. So um, we made peace, and I just found the relief um, 10 years later. Amen. God's good, eh? Yeah, okay. So now my part of the forgiveness one. 
Um, I've always tried to live at peace with other people, and I'd rather, you know, say, okay, I was wrong, then um, let people, yeah, uh, let there be not peace language, yeah. Anyway, um, but even though I try my best to live at peace, I hurt still happen. And I've always remembered in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus prays and says, Father, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. That doesn't say they have to confess. And also in the Old Testament, God says vengeance is mine. It's not ours. And I've always tried to live by that. And often if, if somebody does say, oh, I'm sorry this happened or that happened, and we talk about it, it's easy to forgive. That's for me, anyway. But what happens often is when the person doesn't know either, doesn't know, doesn't realize what they've done that has hurt, or they deny that they did it, or um, they blame me for what happened, and there's never anything spoken about. That, that is a lot harder. Early on in my life, I realized that forgiveness comes in layers. I don't know if you guys realize that. It took me by big surprise because I've, I grew up as knowing, feeling that I was often rejected. Um, my brain works differently, so my peers didn't like me. So, yeah, that was hard to live with. But I also picked up from my mother that she didn't particularly like me. And I remember one day saying to her, um, it's not fair, I haven't got any friends, my friends don't like me. And she says, I love you. And I said, you have to, you're my mother. Mm. Yeah, later on when my daughter said the same thing to me, I realized how much that hurt. Mm. Yeah. Um, but I'd always had that feeling. And I uh, went on a course, I can't remember what it was called, but anyway, um, where they dealt with a mother wound. And I realized that I was harboring resentment towards my mom. And I then forgave her. And I thought, okay, that's done. It's over. She, you know, like, because nobody's perfect, she didn't mother me as I thought I should be. And that was done, okay? And then later on, I found out that um, the reason why I felt like that, and it might be something that you need to think of, realize and think about, is... She had a very traumatic birth with my brother, and then she had a miscarriage, and then she had me. And so I picked up in the womb that she was afraid, and I picked that up as rejection, and that does happen, okay? And when I did Living Waters, we found that out, and then we went over the mother wound again. Now, I'd forgiven my mother, hadn't I? She wasn't around anymore, so I couldn't speak to her. And I realized, but I've still got pain from that, and it shocked me that I had forgiven her, but I still had pain. That's when I realized that there are layers, you know, especially when you can't resolve it with a person. Either they're not in this life anymore, or they won't talk to you, or whatever it was, okay? So then I had the opportunity to forgive her again. And I've also found these layers happening from time to time with during things that happen. As I said, some people might re deny responsibility or they blamed me or there was a big misunderstanding and I felt rejected and they didn't even want to talk about it. 
And that's, that's really hard. But I've always thought, well, okay, God says vengeance is mine, not yours. So um, often in those cases, there's a long-lasting and ongoing repercussions of what some people have done or said or acted. And I take the issue to God and ask him to help me to forgive them. And again, there were layers. So you think, okay, that's done. The memory comes up again, or you see that person again, and they don't want to talk to you. And it's, uh, oh dear, I haven't fully forgiven them. So again. So over um, this going on for quite a long time, I learned to keep forgiving every time the memory came up. And the more... I said, okay, Lord, I'm sorry, I'm still not forgiving, um, or I haven't completely forgiven. Each time the pain gets less and less until I can recall the memory and no longer feel the pain. There's always a regret that that relationship can't be repaired, but we live in an imperfect world, and peace is more important than being right or being understood. Thanks, Renee, Lisa, and Devet. I always find it helpful listening, listening, listening to people's stories, don't you feel, hey? So thanks for being vulnerable with us. We really appreciate that. What I'm going to quickly do, quickly, <coughs> Gavin, I'll do my best, Shelly style quick. Okay, we're going to, um, I want to wrap up the series and wrap up our evening. And um, I want to just go on from the panel just in some, uh, practical illustration um, of the outworking of these two principles of forgiveness and control. And I think what we're learning and what we're seeing um, is that we are actually better off when we follow the principles that God gives of forgiveness and, and confession. Okay, and so I've asked them just to pop up um, a good psychological thingy called the things I can control and the things I cannot control. And um, I want you to us all just to take a moment just to check that thing out okay and just read the inner circle it's a squishy circle and an, the outside circle and just read those things through quickly perhaps just a reflection on ponder in your own life what things do I take offense on and where do I cause offense I'll just highlight a couple of things that sort of like stand out for me. If I look at the things that I can control, my attitude, um, my response, my actions, this is a few. If I look at the things that I cannot control, um, what other people say, um, what other people think, mistakes other people make. And I'm highlighting those few things just to illustrate what this circle highlights for me. Um, and as we're wrapping this series to a close, the first thing is um, there are things that we can control, um, but it's generally those things, um, th sorry, let me just rephrase, the things that we cannot control are generally the things where we get offended by, right? Okay? And um, that's where we tend to focus our whole life on, okay? And, but that's the thing we need to forgive. So let's go back there. The, the mistakes other people make. I can't believe they did that. Flip them. <sighs> huh? that. And that like lives in your head. And we get obsessed by it. And then we tell ourselves a story. 
The second thing is that um, if I look at that inner circle, um, the things we can control um, are the things that we tend to neglect, um, and that's where we cause offense. So, and that's, in essence, where we need to confess. So if I look again there, my response, I can actually control that, but that's where I need to confess when I make a mistake. So if I look at it in this kind of way, the things that I can control um, is where I cause the problem, and the things that I cannot control are what kind of offend me, right? And if I go then thirdly into scripture, just to kind of wrap, go a little bit deeper, if you, if we can just have Galatians 5, 22 to 26 up there, that's that whole passage where scripture becomes quite clear on the fruit of the Spirit, right? And um, I just want to quickly um, look at it quickly. It says, it says this, it speaks about the life by the Spirit, and it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The two that I want to sort of hone in on there is actually the importance of self-control and kindness. It's actually the fruit of the Spirit. And so I want to suggest today that when we submit to God, with the fruit of the Spirit of self-control becomes evident. So if I go back to that inner circle, the things that I can control this fruit of the spirit of self-control shows. So there again, um, the what I say is controlled by, by the Lord and, and, and my self-control with the spirit in me. It's not just flies out of me. I ask God to work in me and help me control what I say. And so by doing those that way, I don't cause offense. And likewise, on the outer circle, when I practice the thing, the, uh, not the thing, the fruit of the spirit of kindness and self-control again, when somebody says something to me or, or when things happen to me, um, it impacts my response to other stuff. So you can see how it's so key when God said the fruit of the spirit of self-control is key. It really, really is in how we interact with people. I think what I'm, what I'm learning is that the behavior that we live by um, is very, very much an evidence of what's in our heart. And we've been talking about offense, and offense isn't just what happens to me, it's also what I do to other people, but we really, really can control this kind of stuff. So, I want to um, just touch in on a very cool story. You know, I like kids' ministry, you know. And there's a dramatic story in Genesis. Do you guys like Genesis? Yeah, okay. This one is the cool story where Cain kills Abel. That's a nice dramatic one, I thought, on a Sunday night to a nice bed, bedtime story. And if we look at, um, it's in Genesis 4, verse 2 to 12. I want to read it to you quickly. Okay. It might be up there. I don't know. Maybe it will be. We'll see. Okay. It says this. Um, okay. I'm going to go from the second half of verse 2, okay? If you've got your Bibles, turn with me. Otherwise, maybe we can get up there. Genesis 4, verse 2 to 12. Now, Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. Hmm, I had a job. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering. 
but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry. I'm sensing an offense. Did you see it? And his face was downcast. He turned into a grump. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you so angry? Grow up. Why is your face so downcast? Pull yourself together. If you do what is right, will you not, um, will you not be accepted? But if you do, do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Now Cain said to his brother, let's go out to the field. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother and Abel killed him. Oh, no, wait, wait, wait. We're all backtrack. Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Can you imagine if I read the Bible wrong? Yo, this would be bad. Then the Lord said to Cain, where's your brother? Abel, and he says, I don't know, and he carries on going, and then he says, what have you done? And so the story carries on, okay, but basically, that's a good example of offense. I mean, he took it to the nth degree. Please don't do that. Okay, Cain took offense to something way beyond his control. Don't we do that? It's not generally not the teeny little things, okay, but offense has grown to anger, and then the anger causes the sin. And that's what happened in the story. He killed his brother. And so the outworking of this whole story is that, in fact, two people groups, two nations, lived at loggerheads to each other. So as the families grew, that sin and that offense was never, ever dealt with. It became this massive saga, which I think is crazy, if I'm honest. And so... It's really important as we close the series this evening on forgiveness and offense, just two things tonight, just two last things. Firstly, undealt with offense can lead to sin and damage. We, lo we lose out when we don't deal with our sin, don't you think? It's never the other person, it's always us. The second thing we learn is that when we walk in, co in confession and forgiveness, we win. So we can lose or we can win. And so I'm going to just close this evening, and I'd love to invite you just to close your eyes and reflect. And um, I'm going to encourage you to, each of us just to be prayerful and just have a bit of introspection. And um, um, the question I'm just asking each of us is, what is the Lord inviting each of us into, um, either to forgive or to confess? In other words, what offense is the Lord saying, hey, it's time to deal with this thing, whether what you've done or what, what has happened to you. So let's just, in a sense, pray through in this um, passage. And it's Romans 12, verse 9 to 21. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who, have, who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, 
but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, and I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Lord Jesus, as we just close a series on talking through offenses, forgiveness, and confession, I really just pray that you would harbor in us a true spiritual love for one another. I pray that we will, we will walk in the habit of confessing and forgiving. I pray that we would learn to draw on you and spend time with you daily, and that fruit of the spirit of self-control would, would just blossom in us. May we be a people who work through offenses well, that we don't wait 10 years or generations to have dealt with a sin. And so, Lord Jesus, thank you that we can learn things and thank you that we can work through hard things. I know we're going to go into a time of worship this evening. And um, so really, allow the Lord really just to stir in you things, in each of us, just things where we need to just settle. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for this time we've been able to just chat. So I'm going to invite the worship team just to take us further as we just um, yeah, spend time with the Lord as, in our, as a corporate and individual. And just, yeah, Robbie, we hand over to you. Let's stand together as we worship.